0: I guess you could say that part of the appeal of Lupin III is that my works have been directed at the youth of the nation and of the world, the younger generation, so in a sense, I wasn't really ever restricted with political barriers. It was easy for me to continue writing and drawing in a sense, because it was freedom. Kato Katsuko aka Monkey Punch Greetings, Lupanting folks. It has been a while, hasn't it? I know, and I apologise for my absence from the last episode. Scheduling issues and other problems prevented me from recording. You are probably tired of listening to your favourite podcasters talking about Covid, but hey, it's a pandemic for a reason. It is everywhere. Even in my quaint little country of Switzerland, Confinement this spring was not easy for me, and at the time of this recording we are currently living through a vicious second wave, with a rapid increase in numbers of infections, hospitalizations, and, yes, casualties. Two of my best friends were tested positive, and while their days are not in danger, it makes me realise how real the threat is. But enough talking about our mad, mad world, and let us go back to the late 60s in Japan. If you think this was a more peaceful time, you might be surprised. As mentioned in previous episodes, Katsuhiko Kato, aka Monkey Punch, created the original Lupin the Thorn manga in 1967, at a time where modernization, which could arguably be considered to be westernisation, had become a global phenomenon, bringing consumerist culture, individualism and political awareness to the whole world. While global, this modernization did not occur in the same fashion for all countries, nor did the youth express itself the same way. For starters, modernization came in pretty late comparatively for Japan, and so the tension between the need to adapt and the keeping of previous values was felt more keenly than in the West. Particularly, the younger generation was torn between the rural values of the group and the urban values of individualism. And the manga started in such a climate. Let us not forget that the very first chapter of Lupin III opens with young sensual people dancing like their lives depended on it at a private party in a mansion. The main characters of that story are divided between the old landlord, the repressive Zenigata, and a band of young rebellious people full of sex and violence, Lupin hidden among them. Detective Akichi, based on legendary writer Edogawa Ranpo's creation, is the one to unmask Lupin III, and the chapter ends with a handcuffed, albeit triumphant, Lupin and the resigned Akichi, as if to say that the page of Japan's crime fiction was turning. The future belonging to Lupin and his own brand of dangerous fun. Even Lupin's appearance was originally closer to that of an actual hippie with Monkey Punch thinking of giving him long hair, or Masaki Osumi imagining a prequel movie with Lupin as a hippie student at the university. The original manga often features young people in defiance to be authority. Zenigata is seen as the establishment, a restrictive paternalist order that is no less perverse, while Lupin, when he isn't fleeing from the law or competing with other criminals, is often meddling with young people, either to seduce women or teach them how to do crime. Sometimes he's even stopping groups of young rebels or quasi-terrorists to enact their plans, unwittingly helping the law. In one very interesting chapter, there's a strong manly figure fighting the squares and indoctrinating younger people with admittedly progressive views for the time, until he reveals his true intention, becoming the leader of this new society. He is then promptly killed by Lupin III. While we do not see Lupin as a bonafide hippie in the chapters telling his youth, we do see that he enjoys the same things as the other young people of his age, partying, hooking up and being a pain in Zenigata's ass. Because yes, Zenigata in the manga is actually only two years older than Lupin, and they attended the same school. Zenigata was literally (laughs) Lupin-senpai! Now that's some fanfic fuel for you, Tumblr! Of course, the emphasis on the unbridled nature of young people in the manga and their tendency to be the source of mayhem is mostly played for laughs, and is part of the parodic nature of the original work. And yet, we do tend to parody what induces anxiety in our societies. Young people were clearly a source of concern for Japan, be its politicians or its population, as the late 60s and early 70s saw a distinct rise in juvenile delinquency accompanied by numerous protests. And what else is the establishment afraid of? Yes, I'm talking about witches. Now, I will not go on a tangent and tackle the vast topic of witches and politics, there are already great books about that fascinating topic. No, I just want to talk about Linda, the so-called witch of episode 3 of the Green Jacket series reviewed by my friends and colleagues last episode. My fellow hosts were questioning the use of the term witch to describe the character of Linda who does not seem to have any special power, even after her mutant nature is revealed what she is, though, is a true hippie. Full with headbands, colorful dress, and blonde hair that makes her look even more like a westerner, Linda is a free-willing young woman, seemingly detached from the world's problems, which is explained by her vital need to stay close to special flowers in order to survive, taking the term flower power quite literally. A flower that can be turned into a mortal weapon, as if to say the very foundation of peace and love can turn sour. That a symbol can be perverted, corrupted and destroyed. And as the flowers get devoured by the fire, Linda disappears. Linda is not a witch in the traditional western sense of the term, but is more closely related to the hippies' interest in paganism, the cult of nature and animist faith. And it is quite telling that Lupin seems robbed of every ill disposition, even lost, as his affection for Linda makes him more lovey-dovey and starry-eyed, as being... Bewitched, bothered and bewildered, am I... Um, Sorry, I got carried away. As being bewitched, I said... By this embodiment of the ideal of peace. A peace that Lupin, member of the underworld, cannot find. Lindai's love. Please, love, Linda. The hippie movement was only one facet of a complex generational divide. A schism that was felt almost globally. Parents and children failing to understand each other, defending sometimes wildly different values, even more so than today. Lupin III is also showing that friction, with a senile Arsene Lupin testing him as a kid by attempting to kill him and having his youthful heart transplanted, or when our favorite thief is fighting with his estranged father after the latter escaped from jail. Clearly, Lupin III has family issues. However. Rather than being a hippie himself, Lupin III is an observer of his time, enjoying his life and what the world can offer him, without following most societal rule, but not wanting to reform it either. Lupin is a free spirit in the broadest sense of the word. If he sometimes causes chaos, it does not seem to serve a greater purpose than his own prerogatives, which are to steal and enjoy earthly pleasures. And that, dear listeners, is my point the failures of the flower power movement and the youth revolutions from the late 60s cannot be denied. In France, the Students' Rebellion of May 1968 ended in armed repression from the then-president Charles de Gaulle, and these young people became instruments of another kind of revolution, the neoliberal capitalism era that we currently live in. But the hippie ideal did not just end because of systemic repression by higher-ups, it also destroyed itself from the inside. The original manga ended a first time in 1969, the year of the Manson family murders. While I do not believe that there is any concrete link between these two events, it cannot be denied that such incidents showed the inner self-destructiveness of the youth movement that could easily be infiltrated by unscrupulous fiends and greedy cult leaders just like the big crook who wanted to be the main man of this brave new world. The sociologist Kenichi Kawasaki attributes the failures of the Japanese youth movement to a lack of cohesiveness and the difficulty of changing such strong and highly codified structures, such as marriage, in just two generations. Ultimately, Japanese culture would follow a similar, albeit slightly different pattern as seen in the West, with the rebellious youth progressively becoming the yuppies of a new economic boom. The last chapter of Lupin III ends not only with the revelation of a criminal organisation named Pandora, but also with Lupin reuniting with his estranged father, his mother, and even his elderly grandfather, the original Arsène Lupin. The free spirit comes home, as if Monkey Punch wanted to appease the generational divide and give Lupin some form of closure. But just as history is a circle, Lupin III can never rest, and for our pleasure he still roams free in fiction and in our minds, capable of being anything, but never restricted to one political ideology. So to all the young minds listening to us, remember that inside every revolution lies the seed of its own demise that a noble cause needs focus if it does not want to lose its way. And remember to keep a free spirit. Before we part, I want to thank Professor Kenichi Kawasaki for his paper on the youth culture of Japan. This study dates back from 1994, and there are certainly more recent papers out there regarding the evolution of Japanese youth, but still, it is a good place to start. If you enjoy my work and want to find out what else I do with my free time, you can find me at William Babé, B-A-B-E-Y on Twitter, Guillaume Babé, G-U-I-L-L-A-U-M-E-B-A-B-E-Y on Instagram, and as Shin Red Deer, S-H-I-N-R-E-D-D-E-A-R on Deventart. Thank you for listening. Until we meet again, stay safe, Lupantic folks.